standing up in McKinney. This is According to Callus. And ladies and gentlemen, it is now March the 1st. This is episode 366. And before I get into the show, I must issue an apology. Yes, it seems that I did not do my research. Apparently, Coach Pratt has been the current assistant superintendent of student activities, health and safety. What's not known is how long has he been actually at that post, and does anybody really believe that Pete Buttigieg, after being the transportation secretary, is now qualified to be the president? Mm, yeah, me either. But I, I did get that wrong. I want you all to know, although they did announce also at the school board meeting on Tuesday night that Thompson & Horton, the same company that conducted the independent investigation of Prosper ISD sex abuse scandal are going to be investigating something in McKinney ISD. Hmm. Well, I put as much faith in that as I did in what their outcome was in Prosper, which to my understanding is a big fat nothing. They fixed nothing. They don't care. Uh, but we must go on. Okay. Before I get into the show, it is indeed called Marching Forward. It is the first day of March. And uh, before I get into the show proper, let me remind you, like, share, subscribe, follow the show, please help me help you. We're getting the word out. We're getting the message out there and uh, every little bit helps. We're closing in on that 100K. We're getting closer and closer every day. And if you're feeling particularly motivated, I'd appreciate if you take the time and the trouble to rate the show or send me some comments or ideas for what I could do in another show. All right. So I want to let you know, I watched a video by a gentleman that I've met a time or two, and uh, I'm going to leave his name out. I'm not going <laughs> to throw any notoriety in him. I did watch his video that he put up on Facebook. So he is a social media guy. He knows what he's doing. And I got to tell you, he and I are kind of on the same page, right? We realize that we, the activists, are a small percentage of the Republican Party. He talked about at length how he spends a great deal of time and effort to be friendly and have open conversations with people that he doesn't necessarily agree with because we're on the same team. And while I like to hold people accountable that are elected officials, another activist or somebody else that's like me, just a little peon in there, there, if you will, they should be given all the grace and openness and have a nice conversation. I did kind of wonder if he was referencing me because we've met each other, he knows me, as to one of those guys that he heads to uh, kid gloves with. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you listen to his uh, um, presentation if for why. But honestly, again, everybody that knows me personally, I've never heard anybody say, oh, he's a blankety blank. Because I get along with people. And I, and I go out of my way to be gracious to people, to be friendly to people, even people I don't even particularly care for or agree with, because that's just the way you treat people, specifically when you're in each other's face. 
it's fine to be confrontational when you're talking about an issue or a topic that's at hand and it's okay to get a little emotional invested in that or a little uh, animated that's appropriate but what you don't do is start mistreating people because they don't agree with you on a specific issue especially when it's a secondary issue right you have your principles right the priorities we're all on board on that. If you got an R after your name or if you're a D and you got, you know, whatever. But there's grace, right? They're on our team. He said, you got to think about it. They choose to identify as one of us. So they're on our team. That must mean they agree with us far more than they agree with the others. All this is true. And I got to say, I really enjoyed listening to it. Uh, I got, I know he's involved with the young Republicans and he grows a awesome beard that I cannot grow. I have nothing negative to say about his entire, uh, 30 minute video. I would like to add everything he said. I largely agree with. I'm not even going to disagree or take a uh, issue with anything, but I would like to add he is correct when he says that we spend more time shooting each other. We, we got the circular firing squad, right? We're, we're, we're worried about purity and then we're worried about principles and vice versa. And I've spoke on all these issues. I don't want anybody to sacrifice their principles. I think that we, if we agree on principles, we're already on the same team. I think that if we're working together, that even where we might be slightly different principles, we're going in the same direction. This is the same argument I've used with many a libertarian or constitutionalist. I agree with you guys most of the way, almost all the way in some occasions. But while we're going in the same direction, we absolutely need to work together. I'm not your enemy. Now, I'm going to part ways on some of these things that maybe we don't agree with, you know, if you're a libertarian. Um, and I'm going to maybe quibble with you, depending on how you define constitutionalist, on a couple things here and there. But I'm not your enemy. I'm going to be the guy right there with you in the trenches. It's the same situation, you know, so there's the COS thing, right? And I've talked about this a time or two. It's kind of old hat now. And for those of you that don't know what COS means, it means convention of states. These guys have fought the good fight. I don't agree with them. Um, early on, I opposed them. But when they won their battle and I got to meet a number of these people, they're good, solid people. I agree with them on a ton of things. Why would I want to fight with them? I want them on my team. In fact, if God forbid they're successful, I want them to encourage me and be grateful that I come and join them and fight in the trenches. Likewise, I want these same people to not see me as the enemy as I'm putting forth the notion that we ought to be able to vote on whether or not Texas should declare its independence. Now, they may not agree with me or they may say that, well, we think you should get a vote. We agree with you on that, Stephen, but we're not willing to go that next step to declare independence. And which I would say is when you're rewriting the Constitution, even though you don't say that you're doing that, but when you're rewriting the Constitution, you're making your amendments. How is that any different than starting all over as a new country? It's tactically the same thing, in my opinion. Now, they may disagree. They may, they may not agree with me 100%, but again, I'm not their enemy. I spend a lot of time working with several individuals that are 
you know, influential within the COS. I stood up for them publicly multiple times. But I still don't agree with them. I still don't think they're right. I, I, I'm very concerned about if they're successful, what would happen. But again, that's why I want them to know that I'm not their enemy, that they want me on their team. Because if they are successful, they're going to want a guy like me in the trenches with them, fighting with them to make sure that these limited things that they want to do are the only things that are done. And they're very tight how they're written. Case in point, we have Chris Ann Hall coming on Thursday, March the 2nd, which is tomorrow for those of you that don't know that. And it's going to be at Redemption Point Church, which is 700 East Lamar, downtown McKinney. And it starts at 7 o'clock. And she's going to be there to talk about the Constitution. She's going to elaborate on why federalism matters and why it's important that states realize their authority and they utilize nullification, they utilize interposition, and why that even matters down to the level of the local sheriff. And if you don't understand these things and you don't under, and you don't get why it's important, I'm fairly certain that I don't want you guys being the ones that are going to determine what's on the next ballot or what the next constitutional amendment's going to be because you don't understand these simple things. And when I say simple, that's not to put you down. It's just the things that are not taught that once they are taught, it's simple to understand. The reason why it's not taught is because those in power want to maintain that power and they don't want you to know what your power and authority actually is. They want for us, we the people, to not understand that we are the ones that have the power. We are the ones that granted the authority to the government. And we are the ones that can take it away. We are the ones that can rein them in. We are the ones that are supposed to be the authorizing authority. And if we take away our authorization, then we reassert control. And they don't want that. So when I look at the party that I belong to, right? I've often said this, and it's not unique to me. It's nothing new. It's old hat. There's the evil party and the stupid party, which I belong to. Brian McClanahan says that. I'm fairly certain that many other radio hosts have said that. It's just what it is. Because my Republican Party that I belong to seems far more content and far more active in fighting amongst ourselves than remembering that the Democrats, the progressives, the communists, the socialists, the environmentalists, the CRT people, they're all people working against us 100% of the time, and they will use our division to undermine us at all times. So I would encourage my brothers in arms, those that have an R after your name, for God's sake, chill out, take a step back, figure out, is this really something that I want to break over? Is this really something I want to fight about? Is this really something that's an offense that I can't deal with? Or on the flip side, is this something that we can just agree to disagree on? Is this something we can disagree without being disagreeable with? I had this conversation, I want to say it was in 2016 or 2018, I don't remember where, where uh, a member of the uh, Convention of States, who is now an elected official, I think he might have been at that time, I'm not 100% sure, great guy respect him a lot. And his daughter was with him and he introduced me and said nice things about me. And I just, I said, your dad's a great guy. We don't agree with this issue, but I have a lot of respect for him and I appreciate the work that he does 
on this. And uh, I left with the, or I kind of finished up the conversation with, this is a situation where we can disagree without being disagreeable. I feel that way pretty much with all my brothers in arms that are in the convention of states. I'm not going to help you, but I'm not going to work against you. I am going to make sure you're given a fair hearing. And while I don't support what you want to do, if you are successful in doing it, I don't want you to see me as an enemy because I'm going to help you. I'm going to be there with you. I feel the same way about a number of other issues. I would like for some of these brothers in arms to look at me and the, you know, my motives within Texas. Hey, Callis, we don't want Texas, but we agree with you. People should have the vote. We agree with you that this is a conversation needs to take place. And we're willing to work with you to make sure that conversation occurs. That's what I would like. To be honest, I don't see a lot of it. I'm not bitter. It's not that big a deal to me that I expect these people to do this because I really don't. But I would like it. I would appreciate it. I would like some of these folks to come out. So we've got this other issue, right? The one we've been fighting on for 50 years. It's been settled, sort of. That's the abortion issue, right? So you can murder your baby in the womb, but not in Texas. The Supreme Court finally decided to, I don't know, read the Constitution and say, yeah, we really don't have authority to be dictating to every state how this is supposed to play out. This is really a state issue. We're going to send it back to the states. Now, in Texas, there's a large preponderance of Baptists and other people of faith that think that it's wrong to kill your baby, particularly those that are Catholic and I imagine some Orthodox folks, right? But by and large, we're a heavy Baptist state. And by Baptist, I mean in the generalized term, not specifically anything else. So when you look at it, the Christian conservatives, if you will, were successful to an extent. But now we're fighting over marginal differences. I am not comfortable with the idea that we pretend that a woman that has murdered three babies in her womb is somehow a victim. I would say she's misled. I would say that it's an unfortunate circumstance, but I don't know what's in her heart. She could have went and done it willingly and knowingly and was glad to be rid of that responsibility. Or she could have been misled, abused, and pushed into a situation that was untenable, and she made the only decision she thought she could make in order to survive. Those are two vastly different ways of looking at it, yet if we're not willing to accept the fact that those are two options, and there's a whole lot of stuff in between there, we have to consider, do we really want to mete out punishment when we don't know the circumstances? And then when you leave in such things as um, an exemption for rape and incest, I'm just going to speculate right now that the claims of rape are going to skyrocket or incest. And when I say skyrocket, I mean double or triple. And I mean, we're talking about 2% and now they might be 6 or 7%, right? Because people are desperate. They want to get what they want to get for their various reasons. But the heart is deceitful among all things or above all things, right? So why would that surprise us? But are we going to be doing anybody any favors? Are we going to be helping anybody 
much like people that are drug addicts. Hmm. So this is another issue. It's a little hot button topic, right? Among Republicans right now. Do we want to legalize this? Myself, I think it would be a mistake to legalize. But on the flip side, I also think it's a mistake to lock people up for smoking a joint or for running a line or shooting up one night or whatever. I think it's a mistake to ruin somebody's life with a felony conviction on top of the abuse they've already done to their body by ingesting those drugs. We know that there's a problem. We know that you get addicted to it at some point and then you kind of lose control of your faculties. It's no longer a conscious decision. It's something that just happens. Are we doing them any favors by locking them up for five, 10 or 20 years and giving them a felony and basically assigning them a life to where they can never, ever do better. Right. But, but am I going to pick fights with people that want full on legalization or am I going to uh, create havoc with the people that want to lock them all up and throw away the key forever? No, I'm going to talk to both sides. I'm going to offer suggestions on, well, what about this? What about that? I'm going to be friendly and cordial to both of them. I'm both a friend with a uh, drug legalization ad- advocate as well as a hardcore, you know, lock them all up advocate. I I treat both cordially, friendly. I don't agree with either one of them 100%. Though if I'm honest, the guy that's for drug legalization, I do agree with more than I disagree with. But that doesn't mean I can't be friends and I can't be friendly with both of them. It doesn't mean that I have to give up my principles. It just means that I have to be a nice guy. I have to be friendly. I have to be conscientious of other people having different opinions than I do. This entire show, everything I do is based off of my opinion, my thoughts on the matter. And if I am so weak skinned and so weak willed that I can't take anybody pushing back at me or somebody giving me a difference of opinion, then I have no business doing this or anything in politics. I want you all to take a step back for just a moment. I want you to consider a scenario. You come upon a young man laid out in another man's front yard. You see the screen door is broken and the guy laying in the yard has got a gunshot wound in his back. You don't know what happened because you weren't there. There was nobody there to record it. Now, depending on who you're talking to, there's going to be a series of questions that come up. They're going to probably ask, what is their race? Probably going to ask, what is their age? Probably going to ask, what part of the city was it in? They're probably going to ask, what were they wearing or how were they dressed? And to some degree, those are all valid questions. But the order and the presentation of the question will tell you a lot about what the person's concerns are that is asking the questions. Now, if the guy's laying on the ground, I implied he was dead. Do we know is he dead? Is he just wounded? Is he, is he bled out? You know, that's a good question. I might want to start with that. Um, I want to, might want to start with who has a weapon. Or do they both have weapons? 
I might want to ask, what time of day is it? I might want to ask, are there any wounds on the other person? Right? The assumption drives people's anger, their their vision of what happened here, their perception of injustice. It may not have been injustice. It might have been entirely just. It might have been uh, the father came home and saw the young man doing something to his child. Use your own imagination here. And they got into a scuffle and he ran out the front door and he thought, oh, heck no, you ain't doing this again and blew him away. Died or not died is irrelevant. So the question is, is that justifiable? A jury might refuse to convict him. And if it's during the middle of the day, maybe it's less justifiable. But consider, there's a lot of different variables here, isn't there? There's not a hard and fast rule. You ought to be really careful when crafting laws and dictating rules because you need to understand the circumstances. That's why you have a jury system. That's why it matters who's on the jury. But while we're on the topic of juries, right? Since we're talking about things that people can't agree on and people fight over and are unnecessarily rude to each other. Have you ever heard of Fiji, right? Do you know what it means to serve on a jury? You have a right and a duty to judge not only guilt and innocence, but whether or not that law should even exist in the first place. You can refuse to convict because that law shouldn't exist. There's historical precedent for this. It has been a way to repeal and to nullify bad laws many times in our history. Yet every time you bring that up, somehow it's brought into slavery and somehow it's about defending stuff that it was never used for. As a matter of fact, The fugitive slave laws were not enforced in many states because the juries refused to convict. So that would be the exact opposite example in real life of what people are perceiving the danger of that would be. Likewise, going back to the multiple examples that I've given, whether it's abortion, whether it's drug use, whether it's the last scenario, all those things have so many mitigating circumstances, so many questions to to be behind them, that that's something that the jury ought to have access to. That's something the jury ultimately ought to be able to decide. Myself, I think if you are a doctor and you gave the oath that you should do no harm, even though apparently they don't do that anymore, if you're killing babies in the womb, you shouldn't be a doctor. You should be stripped of your medical license. And then if you're performing that, kind of procedure after you no longer have a medical license, then they should lock you up. Notwithstanding the murder, notwithstanding anything else, that is a proper procedure. Now we can agree, right? Christian conservatives can agree that that's murder, but the average schmo out there maybe doesn't agree with us, or maybe they don't think it's fair because it was fine one night. Now it's not. Okay, fine. We're going to revoke the medical license. Now you can't do that. Oh, you still want to go kill babies to make a living? Yeah, you can go to New York, New Jersey, California, uh, Washington, Oregon, or Illinois. Or apparently Virginia now because Virginia has been lost. But we really ought to consider the ramifications of the things that we do and the laws that we make. Are we doing what's really best? Are we really looking out for liberty? Are we supporting the government that we say we want? 
The very people that want limited government or less government are the first people, in my opinion, by and large lining up to crack down on some of these offenses. Okay, I agree with you in principle, but in practice, do you really want to create a much larger government to enforce this? Do you really want to enable government to be that much more involved in your lives? I mean, they already spy on us. They already follow every text, every phone call, everything you look at. They have access to all of that. And if they don't have direct access, they get it from the providers. I'm sure that if somebody really wanted to, they could drum up something about me and come after me. But I don't think about that. I can't. I can't dwell on that. I mean, people make stuff up all the time. It doesn't make it true. It doesn't make it something that they can convict you of. Unless, of course, it's January 6th, right? So while we're on the topic of, you know, divisive things within the Republican Party, you've got a certain segment of our party that has already decided that it's okay that those people are locked up. They've thrown away the key. They've been convicted of nothing because why? Oh, because they're embarrassing. Oh, well, they're spreading in disinformation. Really? Really? So in year 2000, when all the Democrats were upset that Al Gore lost, when 2016, all the Democrats were upset that Hillary Clinton lost, and they all did their protests and this and that, they're not election deniers. Stacey Abrams is one of the biggest election deniers there is, but yet she's walking around free. And when we talk about riots, oh, come on. They put their feet up on a desk. They took a pedestal. Okay, so you slap slap their hands. You find them, whatever. These people have been locked up for months, for years. For what? The people are literally burning down cities on the West Coast. They did nothing. The people literally shut down the Capitol building in the state of Wisconsin, and they did nothing. Yet, some people got a little overexcited and maybe crossed the line. I'll give you that. So you find them, you punish them, give them 90 days or whatever, but years destroying their lives, throwing the book at people that probably did nothing that they weren't, hmm, let's say, uh, tricked or hmm, pushed into. I think the term, the legal term is entrapment when law enforcement tricks you into breaking the law. So when the so-called Capitol Police were inviting people into the Capitol, how is that not entrapment? And, and forget about getting a jury trial or a fair jury trial anywhere in D.C. Because those people there hate the rest of America. I would say 90% of the residents in Washington, D.C. hate America in general, especially people that are from the Midwest or the South. But hey, don't worry, you're going to get your fair trial there. Don't you worry. It's all okay. It's times like these that try men's souls. I I imagine that if I were to start reciting quotes from our founding fathers, that I might get a visit from the mm, alphabet people. (laughs) Not those alphabet people. The the jackbooted alphabet people, right? The three-letter agencies. Here's the thing. I've been absolutely clear about this. I'm not a seditionist. I'm not not willing to 
I don't advocate anything that would upend any legitimate government. I don't want to see people killed. I don't want to see people arrested unjustly. I don't want any sort of vigilantism that would be outside of the scope of normal law enforcement. I don't advocate for any of that. I think it'd be a huge mistake. It would be a trap that we would fall into. And I don't want that for any of my brothers in arms. And when I say brothers in arms, I am speaking metaphorically, of course, because I don't want to fight. I don't want blood on the streets. I don't want a civil war. I think that'd be a giant mistake. Yet the more they push, the more they resolve to abuse and to trap people the more likely that outcome becomes. And it won't be from anything that comes from my lips. I do everything to avoid inciting anybody to do anything that would be unlawful or foolish. So I'm very confident that I follow the line. I'm very confident that I'm not the problem. But I can't guarantee that at some point... Somebody with one of those triple letter agencies won't feel the need to come after me. And I I don't look forward to that day. With that, I'm going to leave you with this. Liberty matters. Liberty's worth fighting for. Legally. Do what you can with what you got as quickly as you can. And if you've got the time, come and see us on Thursday night. Chris Ann Hall at the Collin County Patriots. We'd love to see you there, and you can get an education. Thank you, good night, and I will see you on the other side.